Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. amendment here should not be placed on the ballot because it is misleading in multiple respects. First, it is affirmatively misleading because it tells voters something about the amendment that is literally untrue. It promises that after the amendment, quote, no law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion in either of two circumstances, before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health. And in point of fact, federal law, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, already does restrict abortion in both these circumstances and would continue to do so even if the amendment passes. So yesterday at the Florida State Supreme Court, you had arguments over the ballot initiative that would allow abortion for any reason at all up through viability and after viability for health concerns of the mother as certified by some nebulous, undefined form of any health care provider, which the justices mentioned, we don't know what that includes, but maybe even a tattoo parlor could be a health care provider. It's unclear. That's what the ballot initiative says. And the question before the Florida State Supreme Court is, is that initiative, you know, were it to come to pass, constitutional, but more to the point, really the question is, is it clear? Is it clear when voters go to vote on it, do they understand what they're voting on? And is it limited just to one subject? Because those are kind of the rules when it comes to initiatives. You can't have a two subject amendment and it has to be clear as in the language that summarizes the initiative has to accurately represent what the actual initiative does or would do. So Nathan Forrester, uh, who is the uh, senior deputy solicitor general representing the administration, shows up in court and says, Oh, my God, y'all, we cannot have this on the ballot. It's misleading people, and it says something false from the very start. And the problem I have with this is that you never lead with your weakest argument. (laughs) And he did. He led with the weakest argument against this proposition, the argument being that it lies to people by telling them that there will not be any laws that restrict abortion except after viability if you cannot get somebody to certify that it's good for the health of the mother to get the abortion. He says that no law shall implies that there won't be any restrictions, but we all know that the partial birth abortion ban that is in at the federal level will restrict. Therefore, this initiative is false. When shall means like you can't pass it in the future. Everybody knows this. No law shall. You can't make one. It's no claim about the status of all laws in the state of Florida. Now, what they said is, you know, they had lots of words to spare in the summary. 75 words total, they used 49. They could easily have said no Florida law. law. So, but, but it's in the Florida Constitution. I mean, nobody's confused about this. Or if they are, they don't understand the basic structure of government in these United States. And if that's the problem, well, that's not a defect of the pro- proposition. That's a defect of 
education and citizenship awareness and all this. No law shall, again, has this uh, universal connotation, I think, to, but, to but, the voter. But they, it couldn't possibly be understood that the Florida Constitution would limit the congressional power to pass a law, could it? Well, Charles Kennedy, the uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, um, I think is well enough aware that, of course, almost anybody could believe anything. As local politicians will tell you, they get called for the wrong stuff all the time. You know, people call the mayor of Pensacola for county issues. People call the county commissioners in Santa Rosa or Escambia for city issues. People call, I mean, of course people can believe that because people believe all kinds of things about the structure of government. What he's getting at is no reasonable, well-informed voter, which is a big, you know, a big hurdle when you're putting that in front of people. But still, what he's saying is nobody believes that. Come on, you can do better. And he's right. That's a stupid argument. And that's what they led with. And there were other arguments against this that I thought were interesting. Um, you know, Matt Staver with Liberty Council made a different form of disqualifying argument. This amendment should not be approved because it violates the single subject rule. There's four words that doom this amendment. No law shall restrict. That is breathtakingly broad, and it substantially disrupts the functions of all three branches of government. So, again, you have this restriction that the ballot initiative cannot cover more than one subject. And when you say no law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion, now you're suddenly not just dealing with the legislature. You're dealing with the executive. You're potentially dealing with the judicial. Um, If you have even minor, neutral, bland medical regulations as to whether you have to even have a, a Agency for Healthcare Administration, ACA, certified abortion provider location, whether there's a parental consent involved, whether there's a waiting period involved, whether there's an age question involved at all, are all forms of prohibition, penalization, delay, or restriction. Therefore, it's so breathtakingly broad that it's not a single subject anymore. And the problem is that that argument is also terrible because That's not an accurate representation of the question of whether it's more than one subject. It's clearly one subject. The subject is abortion. And it proposes that the entire state of Florida would have one of the most pro-abortion constitutions or laws anywhere in the country. You can get an abortion if this passes, if the Supreme Court allows it to be voted on, and if it passes with 60.001% then a woman would be allowed to get an abortion up to the term of viability. When is that? Doesn't say. Don't know. It's open to question. For any reason whatsoever. And after viability, for anything that any health care provider can deem is a health need. Up to and including the moment of birth. That's it. Now, that's not two subjects. I mean, there is even one brief. I read a couple of the briefs on this case. One of the briefs was saying... Well, that's two subjects because that's a law about abortion before viability and also a law about abortion after viability. Come, come on. I Listen, I'm as pro-life as you'll find, okay? I think that all abortions, all abortions ought to be banned, period. I mean, seriously, period. Except the life of the mother is at stake because then it's two lives versus one. Otherwise, no, not pharmaceutical abortions early, 
not late-term abortions at nine or eight or seven months. No abortions, period. That's my view, okay? And these arguments made by these lawyers were not strong. The amendment is clear. It says what it says, and I don't buy the argument that it's going to be unclear. Now, I would be horrified to see this thing pass. But here's the funny thing about the amendments. The whole purpose of amendments is that the state of Florida has created a constitution in which voters can amend the constitution. And if the voters of Florida, and if they get enough signatures, and they have enough signatures, and they want to go on the ballot and get people to vote on a crazy, ridiculous, absurd, evil, immoral ballot initiative like this, that's what propositions are there for. Simple. I hate it. But that's why we have ballot initiatives. So I listened to the argument, and I will tell you, I listened to the arguments. Of course, the whole thing wasn't that long. It was like 40 minutes. It's not going to be like today's marathon at the Supreme Court over the Trump disqualification argument in the 14th Amendment. That's going to be long. Um, This was so short, so easy. And I'll tell you, listening to the justices, that's where the justices are, I think. You know, they had particular questions about application and scope and unclarity of the law because things like, you know, viability, okay? Is 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 viability a clear standard? Well, you know, no, not really. And, you know, one of the justices asked about this when Courtney Brewer, who was representing uh, Floridians Protecting Freedom, they're the ones who have the ballot initiative going. This is consistent with the way viability has always been determined. Viability has always been determined by health It hasn't, though. Every, every law that's been passed in Florida has been a categorical ban at a certain week. And so why would it not be, why would it be unreasonable for a voter to read this language and say, I'll vote for it because the legislature will be able to, you know, have a ban at 21 weeks um, with exceptions for the health of the mother. Why would that be an unreasonable conclusion by a voter? It would be unreasonable because it would be inconsistent with the language of the amendment and uh, voters. That would be a surprise to a lot of voters, wouldn't it? I, I disagree, Your Honor. I think that the voters are perfectly capable of reading this language and understanding it and would understand the ins and outs of it. And I agree. I agree with Courtney Brewer. The ballot initiative is clear. It would not leave room for legislators to come in and say, well, but at 22 weeks or but well at 16 weeks, because that would be a restriction and you cannot have restrictions. Other than. After viability, you have to have a healthcare provider certify that it's for the health interests of the mother. That's all there is. And so, although the justice, and, you know, it's funny because I thought that was Jamie Grosshands. I don't know the Supreme Court justice all that well, Florida, but um, I was watching uh, TV, and I think Channel 3, the person who had been providing the news report for Channel 3, um, had said that it was some different justice. So, in, in any case, she's saying that Florida voters will go with the pre-existing concept that, no, the legislature could still come in with these and these restrictions. Well, I mean, they might, because voters can be all kinds of wrong. And certainly the arguments about this amendment are going to be misleading. I I mean, I have no doubt that the people who are pushing this amendment are going to engage in misleading representation of it. No question, okay? But that's not the issue. The issue is that the amendment says what it says, and voters who read it will understand that it says what it says. And even if we're not clear what... you know, viability is, whether it means viability of the pregnancy or viability of the fetus outside the womb, it, it, 
That distinction is something perhaps to be decided in the court, but that doesn't render the initiative itself incomprehensible or misleading. So if I'm sitting on the Supreme Court in Florida, I approve this ballot initiative. I hate it. I despise it. It's disgusting to me, but I approve it, which is what the law is supposed to do. And reading the justices last night or yesterday, I I think that's what they're going to do. I think it'll probably be a five or six or maybe even unanimous who approved this to go on the ballot. But you got to actually go through the exercise and see what they say, right? Four, three, seven, sixteen, twenty. So then it's going to be the argument about, you know, what do we do with this ballot initiative? But that's a separate question. Five twenty-two on News Radio ninety-two three, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Hey, Joe Montana here. Back in my football days, I knew the importance of a strong defense. Now I'm sharing how you can help defend your health against pneumococcal pneumonia, a bacterial lung disease that can be life-threatening. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain chronic conditions like diabetes or asthma, you're at increased risk. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist about vaccination and learn more at nopneumonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Hey, this is Dr. Ben McMillan. I do a show on the Pensacola Expert Panel. We talk about your health problems. Let me educate you about the Activator Method of Adjusting, which offers a safe and effective alternative to traditional manual adjustments. So whether you've been hurt in a car accident or been suffering from back or neck pain, chiropractic care could be your solution and not just a temporary fix. Join me tomorrow on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. And now, during our President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Get news at the top and bottom of every hour with WEAR TV, our local news team, and Fox News on News Radio Pensacola. Admiral, wouldn't it be easier to just put an experienced crew back on the ship? Galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young doctor. I did double check in the break, and uh, sure enough, I was wrong. It was not uh, uh, Murder Sasso. It was, in fact, uh, the justice that they had said on Channel 3, which is, oh, I mean, it was Murder Sasso. It wasn't the one that I had said there was. So, uh, well done for them, and thank you for pointing out my mistake. 524 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Steve is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. Steve? Well, good morning. The Supreme Court today is going to consider whether former President Trump is ineligible for a second term in office. You see, justices will hear arguments on the Colorado Supreme Court ruling disqualifying Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. The former president's legal team argues Trump's actions around the attack do not amount 
to insurrection. The bill involving border security and foreign aid has failed in the Senate. It was unable to garner the necessary 60 votes to move forward in the chamber after the Republicans made it clear they were strongly opposed to it. And speaking of the border, Border Patrol agents have arrested a woman. She was trying to cross into the U.S. with $170,000 worth of cocaine and fentanyl hidden in the gas tank of her SUV. The Border Patrol says the woman tried to cross the border at Calexico with 10 packages of drugs in the fuel tank. The packages were worth about $172,000, and that woman was a U.S. citizen. Apparently a little side hustle going on. (laughs) Side hustle with just alternate fuels, all that is. that's what it is. All right, Steve, thanks for the update. 525 on News Radio 92.3. Yeah, the other big story today, obviously, is going to be that uh, hearing at the Supreme Court for whether President Trump is immune or not, or sorry, whether he is... uh, uh, subject to the 14th Amendment for removal from the Colorado Supreme for, from the Colorado ballot, and uh, you know over the insurrection connection. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a very interesting case. This is not the immunity case. Remember, we talked about the immunity case uh, before with Colorado, and that's you know whether the president can do anything that he wants in office and not suffer criminal prosecution thereafter, including you know ordering say one branch of the military to you know assassinate one of his political opponents. That's a different case. The, the, the cases involving Trump are, I mean, you've never had a president where you had these kinds of questions, right? Well, could the president order somebody to be assassinated and still be okay with it? That's not a question we've asked a lot. You know, uh, can the president uh, break the law and interfere with the election and not be charged with a crime? That's a, that's a new question. Uh, it, if the president supported with his words a riot that was maybe looked like an insurrection, um, is he disqualified from the ballot? The way, for example, Confederate supporters were disqualified from becoming representatives and senators, that's not a question we've asked a lot before. You know, President Trump brings up interesting things related to the Constitution. Now, I mentioned this the other day, and I'll mention it again. Uh, There is this lingering bad argument that Trump has made and supporters of Trump have made, many people have made, that somehow or other, if you are disqualified from the ballot, that that is denying the will of the voters that the uh you know the 14th amendment for example if he is disqualified under the 14th amendment that that is a violation of democracy that is a violation of the will of the voters or something like that um okay just ask you this question if it turned out somehow like let's say the evidence came out that somehow or other president trump was not a natural born citizen some kind of documentary evidence came out that, you know, he was actually born of non-citizen parents, not in the United States. Would he be off the ballot? Well, of course, right? That's what the Constitution says. He's not eligible. Well, but wouldn't that be denying the will of the voters? Wouldn't that be taking away the right of democratic representation? Wouldn't that be an illegitimate disqualification of somebody that people want to have be their president or at least want to have the choice to be there? You see how the same argument doesn't work in the other context. And here's the irony of it. Trump himself has made that argument about Obama. He's hinted at it with Nikki Haley, meaning he himself believes that if the Constitution doesn't allow you to run for president, then you cannot run for president. So that slice of this discussion is silly. Now, did he engage in insurrection? Is 
words spoken at a rally or words spoken on social media surrounding the lead up to and the day of a mass misbehavior at the Capitol that lasted a few hours that involved some violence, does that qualify as engaging in insurrection? That's going to be what the, you know the court is going to have to tackle. Um, even if he did engage in insurrection, which is what the Colorado you know justice has decided, well, is he ineligible for office, therefore? Well, the 14th Amendment doesn't say president. It says no elector for president. It says no officer on the United States or someone who has sworn to the United States to support the Constitution, but the president doesn't make that oath. Protect and defend, not support. I mean, it would be weird to say somebody who engages in insurrection cannot be a presidential elector, therefore, but can be president. But that is the argument the Trump team is making. And if you look at the straight language of the Constitution, they have a point. Now, there's also the practical question, which is even if the Constitution technically does disqualify him under the 14th Amendment, is that healthy for us as a republic to do it that way? Now, Supreme Court's not supposed to handle that question, but the Supreme Court's not a bunch of idiots. That will be in the backdrop of everything they do today. Fox News, I'm C.J. Pop. A huge case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Did Donald Trump commit insurrection by inciting a crowd to storm the Capitol on January 6th? And should that keep him off the ballot in Colorado and nationwide? The state's highest court ruled to prevent Mr. Trump's name from appearing on the Colorado primary ballot, setting up today's massive showdown. Trump's legal team says, quote, he is the presumptive Republican nominee and the leading candidate for president of the United States. The American people, not courts or election officials, should choose the next president of the United States. Fox's Brooke Singman reporting no issue in Nevada where it's caucus day for Republicans. Donald Trump, the only name to consider. Nikki Haley chose to run in state's primary on Tuesday. Her campaign claims the caucuses are rigged for the former president. Rescuers still searching for five Marines after locating their helicopter in a California forest east of San Diego. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531, 46 degrees and clear right now. I'm Steve Taylor for News Radio Pensacola. Just before this evening's Escambia County Commission meeting, there's now a second offer on the table for the OLF8 property in Beulah. On Tuesday, an offer came in from Precision Capital, appearing to offer $20 million for nearly the entire property. According to the offer letter, a portion of the green space would be given back to the county for a park and a school. The Escambia County commissioners want to hold back 250 acres for the sole purpose of job creation. There's also the OLF-8 and Beulah Master Plan to consider. Allowable uses, it speaks to the finishings of the housing and and even the retail stores and, you know, the drainage design and uh, it just encompasses a whole large list of, of criteria there with the, with the plan. County Administrator Wes Moreno talked with Channel 3. Last month, Beulah Town Center LLC sent a revised offer of $20 million for 290 acres. It appears Pensacola won't play host to a SpaceX splashdown. After undocking from the International Space Station yesterday morning, the Dragon spacecraft is now scheduled to splash down in the Atlantic Ocean tomorrow morning. According to Studio 850, the Gulf recovery ship that had been hanging out in the Panhandle Gulf waters the last few days has returned to Tampa Bay. 
The Florida Supreme Court has until April 1st to either approve or reject the proposed ballot referendum on abortion rights in Florida. Yesterday, the justices heard arguments from both sides. The state of Florida believes the proposed language is too vague and intentionally misleading. It promises that after the amendment, quote, no law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion in either of two circumstances before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health. And in point of fact, federal law, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, already does restrict abortion in both these circumstances and would continue to do so. The group Floridians Protecting Freedom has already collected the amount of signatures necessary. If approved, it'll appear on November's ballot as Amendment 4. Let's check the forecast from Channel 3. This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. We will have partly cloudy skies today with a high near 65 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 56. For Friday, small chance of rain, mostly cloudy skies, high near 68. Friday night, temperatures dropping near 60 degrees. We'll have a small chance of rain on Saturday, 30% chance of a stray shower, high near 70 degrees. And Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 60. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thanks, Brooke. Right now, 47 degrees in Pensacola, 48 in Gulf Breeze, and 42 in Milton at 534. The next news is 6, breaking news anytime. I'm Steve Taylor for News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. Hey, Pensacola, get ready for a midday delight that'll have you hooked. Weekdays from 11 until 2 on News Radio Pensacola. Tune in to the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins are their dynamic trio that'll keep you entertained, informed, and laughing out loud during your lunch break. They dish out the hottest topics, bring you the latest news, and deliver their unique blend of humor and insight that'll have you coming back for more. It's the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show on News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Valerie's House, a special place that helps children and families work through the loss of a loved one together. The mission of Valerie's House is to ensure no child will have to grieve alone. This year's class of Leadership Pensacola has adopted Valerie's House for a special project to enhance the home's grounds to make it more accommodating for kids and families. Please consider helping with a donation. Find out more at catcountry987.com. Valerie's House has made such an impact on me and helped me get through so many things. Thank you from Valerie's House and the Leadership Pensacola class of 2024. Are you a fan of all things Florida? Then the Fresh from Florida Club should be on your menu. Search and save your favorite recipes, create custom menus, and get all your cooking questions answered by me, Florida's culinary ambassador, Chef Justin, for free. It's easy to sign up, and best of all, you'll be supporting Florida's farmers, ranchers, and fishermen. Join today at freshfromflorida.com. A message from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Mornings before pep talk on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Obviously, I love my dad. I, I um, I've learned a lot from him uh, over 40 years of time that have helped that that come that has helped me in this job uh, be more prepared for this job. Um, he's been a uh, he's done amazing things, transformational things in this uh, city, uh, and and so uh, 
my expectation is that the governor is ex will be looking for an appointment of someone who plans on running again. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think that's something that uh, that Jim plans on doing. That's a, kind of an interesting comment that Mayor D.C. Reeves made at his press conference on Tuesday when asked about his dad, Jim Reeves, uh, you know, potentially being the appointee to take over the seat that Robert Bender, Bender vacated by becoming the supervisor of elections under appointment from the governor after, of course, David Stafford left that seat to go work for the, um, you know, the federal government in election security. So we've kind of got this local shuffle around going. And, you know, Jim Reeves, among other people, is one of the people who, you know, um, uh, Walker Wilson from the DIB and Jared Moore from city council. And then, uh, Buck Mitchell from a uh, civil court of the other three so far, but you know, you never know the governor could appoint somebody else. That's not the only list, you know, who made that list. I don't know. Nobody I know really made that list, but anyway, uh, the media seems to have made that list, but okay. So we talked about that a little bit with mayor Reeves yesterday. Uh, Mr. Mayor, welcome back to the Pensacola morning news, sir. Thank you very much. Good morning, Andrew. Oh, good morning. And by the way, it was really sweet to hear your comments about your dad. I always love to hear it when people say nice things about their dads because I'm hoping one day, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping one day uh, some other kids related to me might say the same kind of stuff. Um, so are you taking a position? Are you endorsing anybody for this race or do you have a preference? And I mean, I know you're going to respect the decision of the governor, whoever he picks. But yeah, um, look. I start with I mean, I mean, when I say this, I mean, and, and no one can understand it probably uh, as well as I do around here locally is that, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of effort and, you know, you're really putting yourself out there uh, to run uh, for public office or to, or to be appointed for public Absolutely. office. Absolutely. Um, it is not, uh, I mean, there is a lot of challenges uh, to it. Uh, it's a thankless job and a lonely job uh, a lot of times. And um, so, you know, I, I, that's why, you know, I have respect for anyone, whether I agree with them or disagree with them or what party they are, just, to put their name in the hat, right? So, um, you know, uh, my, my personal feeling, obviously, uh, I know Jared Moore very, very well. Um, I have a lot of respect for Jared. And and look, if you're Governor DeSantis, and to elaborate on the, the soundbite there, if you're Governor DeSantis and you get to make an appointment, it, it makes logical sense that you're going to want to make an appointment of which that person will continue to be in that position, right? Um, and not just do it for a, a short period of time. So, and, and because remember, whoever gets this appointment, they're turning right around and they're running an election in November, and they'll have to run another election in two years, right? Um, to get back on, on on schedule, so for that seat. So, um, you know, I, I I have a ton of respect for Jared Moore. I, I think he, you know he's been council president. Um, he is he's won two elections in that district, and um, you know, if we're talking about appointment, which is on merits, you know, I, I certainly think that Jared, uh, you know, has my support, and and um, you know, I, I have such respect for the job he does on council and. Well, if he would get the appointment, I, I would hate to see him leave council. I think uh, he could continue to do great things for the city. But but everybody involved, everyone whose name's in uh, are, are, are people I respect because this is not an easy thing to do. So, right. um, you know, that's that's kind of where we're at. And, and I, I, I understand. I, I see the analysis the same way. I mean, I think Jared is a proven quality and, you know, I think he'd be a great commissioner. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm, you know, I'm good, good friends with Walker, too, and, uh, you know, certainly capable. But. It's just that Jared's got, as you say, elections under his belt and public service that he can point to. Uh, Walker's got public service, but not in the elected capacity. And then, you know, Buck, I know him fairly well and, you know, good guy, but no public service of the sort that we would look at. And that doesn't mean he's not good. Just And he's already running for election for the seat. 
Um, and then a couple of other candidates. I forget the lady's name who's put in for D4. But so, you know, we'll see. But I, your analysis, I basically agree with in terms of the appointment going. Um, well, and, turning- and let me let me make this let me make this point too, Andrew. You know, I think understand we're, we're talking about two different things. One's an appointment. One's an election. Right. Now, yeah, right. You know, for example, I, I didn't have any previous uh, experience before I started as mayor uh, politically. Right. But and look at what a I disaster an that's and been. So we're talking about two different things. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, you win, you win an election, you know, the citizens have spoken. But I think when you're talking about an appointment, well, what you really have to point to is is experience and the merits. That's and then, right. Then you let an election play out and let the chips fall where they bet. I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, let's talk about the pick, pickleball courts for a second, because. Uh, I am suspicious that, and I think it's a well-placed suspicion, that the vast majority of people have heard this story and don't understand it. Um, I was even asked by a friend yesterday, I said, so is this going to be like, you know, Roger Scott, where you're going to have to pay to play on these pickleball courts? And I'm like, it's not even a public facility. You won't have an entitlement to play there. It will be a restricted access, pay-to-play club membership or something of the sort, right? The city, this is not a city park you're building. That, that's correct. Yes, I've heard in the last 24 hours many versions of what the city is paying for or not paying for. So I, I, I'm happy to clarify. This we leased warehouse four on the port. Um, that that because of where it's it's uh, situated on the fence line allows it to go outside the fence line of security uh, and be be some version of a public private amenity. So all the city's involvement is is we have signed a lease with with this group. They are paying us a lease rate for the warehouse that has not had a lease since 1979, and um, and that uh, we it is now on the property tax rolls for about fifty sixty thousand dollars a year. So um, so that's the only city involvement. What happens from here if they put seven or eight courts uh, outside, or they put ten, or they allow basketball, or they do events, all that? Just think about it. The city has leased this space to a private entity. So. Uh, there was a lot of confusion out there yesterday about why is the city paying for courts on the port or why is the port paying? No, we merely leased them the facility of which they are building a what they're hoping to build a regional, national size tournament ready uh, pickleball facility, which you're seeing go up in cities all over the country. Um, that this is their venture. So what what are they going to charge? What's the access going to be? That's all going to be determined by the private uh, operator who's paying us rent and, and paying us property tax. And speaking of access to courts, uh, we've got the soft opening happened this week for uh, Roger Scott. So we've got tennis again, right? That's right. Twelve new courts uh, over at Roger Scott. Uh, still putting finishing touches on shade structures and some other things. But uh, since the courts are ready and long awaited, uh, we got people out there playing on them. So we'll do a more official uh, ribbon cutting probably late spring. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, they are open and, and, and back rolling again. And four million dollar project. Some of that about one point three from the county. Uh, so certainly excited to get that uh, back into the public realm. I can't remember the top level of courts by the practice wall. Those did not get replaced, and I haven't been there, obviously, or I'd know. They ha- they did not get replaced, right. and they're being converted to clay. Do I remember this correctly? Uh, I'll I'll have to see if we confirmed that they were converted to clay, but your first inkling is correct. Uh, the, the, we, it's the 12 courts that we did, and I think yeah. it's 16 in total over there, but they're four. So I'm not sure if we've made a final decision, but in terms of value engineering, remember this started at uh, started with a two on it, and we got to about a four yeah. uh, in terms of millions of dollars. So 
Uh, I know that was one of the VE things was to not mess with those top four courts for a little while and go ahead and get these done. So okay. I'm not sure if there's any finality on that, but uh, but more to come. Sticking in the realm of uh, public amenities and parks and things, um, the Bay Bluffs Park moving forward, it sounds like, if I hear you correctly, that what we can envision with the funding from the state and the conservation status and all that is basically we're not going to have the boardwalk anymore. It's going to be converted into more of a, a hilly set of trails. Possibly. I, I wouldn't say that we wouldn't have any amenity uh, there because, you know, that's still to be determined by budget, by how much funding we do receive, all those things. But the, the truth is we're going to work hand in hand, three different entities, ourselves, Conservation Florida, and the community are all going to have some say in what would go there in place depending on what the budget is. So the only reason we haven't worked out exactly where, you know, how many boards are going to go down and what part of Bay Bluffs Park is, we merely don't have the funding to even entertain that at this point. So, uh, but I am grateful to Senator Broxson for for getting that, uh, you know, in there into the conversation and Conservation Florida for working with us on that. And uh, it'll be prote- if if done right, will be it'll be protected forever. Um, uh, all all the uh, acreage we have. Uh, there alongside Conservation Florida, and we'll come up with an amenity that brings some value uh, to the city. So, um, so it's it's not a fully baked uh, plan at this point. Uh, there's no design, zero percent design. Uh, but at the end of the day, the 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 point will be if we are able to procure that funding, then we can start to have the conversation about what can and can't be done once we get some cost estimates and things like that. All right. Well, you heard it here first. It's a half baked plan. Um, <laughs> just much with you, of course not. <laughs> not fully baked. I appreciate that terminology. That's actually a good one. Um, well, one the, of the, oven, th- the oven is the 2.2 million. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. Um, the issue of recycling, you mentioned yesterday that you're putting out, getting ready to put out an RFP and see what comes back from it. Is ECUA one of the vendors that you guys are – have you even talked with them about the possibility of them being willing to do the city recycling, or are you just going to put it out there for whoever yeah. responds? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've done is we've had some just general conversations with some third parties, including ECUA, about uh, what what kind of cost. What would that look like? Because my argument was I don't even want to do an RFP if we can't even get someone to feasibly offer this, right? right I mean, sure. Why even go through that process? So we've reached the comfort level with enough conversations to go ahead and do the RFP that, that there could be uh, some potential. And, and as I said, it could be once a week. It could be on the 1st and 15th of the month. And we don't know. We're going to see what comes back and what the cost is. Um, ECUA and our conversations, uh, they weren't necessarily entertaining it in the format that we would want to do it, understandably. Because, look, one of the biggest limitations of this is equipment and staffing, right? So that's why third parties, larger third parties, make sense in this because they may have a lot more of that than ECUA or certainly what the city has. You know, we don't have a bunch of extra garbage trucks sitting around. And and when you order one right now, the lag time is about three years on a garbage truck. So, wow. um, you know, it, it, so it's significant capital, significant uh, payroll expense. And so ultimately what we're looking to do is contract out, you know, someone else's equipment, someone else's staff. And then at that subscription fee, be able to to, to mitigate that sum. And I, that's why I tell everyone, sometimes people have a preconceived notion that I think that this is going to be some profit center for the city. No, I'm, I'm bracing for a subsidy. I'm just wondering how much it's going to be, um, you know. And so uh, it, we are not looking at this from that we think this is going to be a net zero opportunity for us. Uh, but we're certainly willing to subsidize uh, to a certain extent 
if we can get the service. So, and if you can do it uh, for so cheaper than you're spending now, now yeah, or were before, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and then we'll also simultaneously, uh, we've gotten so much uh, recyclables, clean recyclables at Scenic Highway now that curbside's done. That's that's way less contaminated than it was when we had curbside. Um, that we're looking to potentially do some uh, you know, one day a week of assisted. Uh, drop-offs like we've been doing at Palafox, which has been great so far. Okay, but looking down in the future, if you're willing to hire out a private contractor to do recycling at a subsidy potentially, because that seems to be the likely outcome, does this mean that you might eventually be looking to outsource sanitation too and stop being that as a city function? I'm not entertaining that at this point because what you're talking about is one is a third-party ancillary service. And think about it, we use a lot of those. So we right. have third-party landscaping for some of our parks, you know. Some we do ourselves, some we, we uh, farm out, right? So, uh, But when you talk about the entire service, you know, you, there is a slippery slope when you go to third party for entire service because you, you don't control the quality, you don't control the, sure. the staffing, you don't control the message. You know, those types of things uh, I don't take for granted. And our team does a great job of that, and I would put our reputation up in the city uh, against anyone's in terms of our service and, you know, helping uh, folks, you know, get their cans to the street and hop out. You know, our, our team does go the extra mile. And those are the types of things you lose control of, certainly, when you if you were to outsource the entire thing to a third party. So that makes sense. I, I, you know, I would never say never about anything, but but I would tell you that's not something we'd be looking at anytime soon. Speaking of uh, fleet management, facilities management, the least desirable job in this county has got to be the guy who's in charge of all of that stuff. But you've hired somebody, right? That's right, Russell Sweat. We've started a new department. We we it was. Uh, facilities and fleet were secondary divisions under larger departments, sanitation and public works. And you know, you, you can't talk to me a week without me talking about trying to fix the things that we have. Right. So we've created a new department. So we have a new department head, Russell Sweat. He comes from many years at United Airlines running facilities there out in Colorado. Um, it's going to do a great, great job for us. And, you know, I, I joked with him, you know, we, we just, you heard me yesterday, we just finalized a list of uh, actually having a single list of everything that we own, every structure we own. That's amazing. Um, which I was kind of surprised that we didn't have. Um, and and so, you know, I think he had just started. I said, well, you know, we're, you know, welcome, and we're putting together a list for you so you don't go work <laughs> on buildings that we don't own. Um, you know, uh, so uh, so anyway, I know he's, he's going to do an awesome job for us. I'm very excited for that department. And, um, and, and it'll help us stay on top of the things that we own that we lease out. That, are, that we own and make sure we're meeting our obligations as well as making sure that people leasing from us are meeting their obligations. But, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to get that. And going. I kind of love the idea that the guy who's going to be in charge of all the wrench tuners name is Sweat. <laughs> that seems yeah, oddly perfect exactly. to me. <laughs> all right. A lightning it's round. Just a couple of quick questions. I actually don't know. Do you, do you drink coffee? I, I'll, yeah. Lots. Okay. Are you, what's your preferred way to make it? Keurig, drip, French press, something else? Uh, I, Iced, uh, from store-bought iced, a um, little bit of cream, no sugar. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Some people your age and younger do not like talking on the phone. Do you have any issue talking on the phone as opposed to texting? Uh, no. No. I'm, I'm, that, <laughs> I'm like the oldest millennial there is. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck right between uh, those two. I'm, I, I probably prefer text, uh, but, but I'm, I'm happy to talk on the phone. And when you go to the store, I assume you still go to the store to buy your own groceries, as some people do. Um, do you prefer to check out with a person or the self-check? And if you do the self-check, do you scan and bag, scan and bag, or do you scan, scan, scan with the hand scanner and then bag, bag, bag? Okay. Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I have an item limit on self-checkout. You know, if you roll up there with like 40 items, it's just too much. You know, I don't know where to put everything. 
And then I, when I use self-checkout, I go scan bag because I don't want the machine to yell at me and think I'm stealing. You know? So I <laughs> immediately, as quickly as possible, put it into the bag so the weight, is, the thing doesn't you know, start gotcha. barking at me and call for assistance. All so, I hear you saying is you have a guilty conscience. That's okay. That's good to hear. Uh, DC, <laughs> DC Fair Reeves. enough. DC Reeves, the mayor of Pensacola. No surprise on the phone one, by the way, because you always do great on the phone. Uh, DC Reeves, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. And, of course, city council meeting is tomorrow night. Look forward to all of that. Thank you so much for the time, as always, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. You bet. 5.52 on News Radio 92.3. Yeah, it's funny. Some of the... Um, some of the self-checkouts don't have that weight sensor. Like at Walmart, I don't think there's a weight sensor because you can just do whatever you want. But like at, um, you know, one of the stores I go to, you have to, if you do the hand scanner, of course, you can just do all that in the cart. But if you do the swipe check, you have to put it over on the area or it'll start yelling at you because it's got a weight sensor. I'm like, shut up. I'm doing my business. Leave me alone. I'm already doing your job. Anyway, 553 on News Radio 92.3 when I say, Brands like BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, Genesis, Jaguar, Lexus, good imports, right? You pay extra to get them because you like the exotic nature or the reliability or just something that's, you know, extra, right? Uh, well, guess what? You pay extra for them. You do not have to pay extra to service them. I, mean, I think you do. It's common. You think, well, you know, who knows better how to service a BMW than a BMW dealer? Well, you know, the funny thing about that is a lot of people know how to service them. And you don't have to go to the dealership in order to take care of it which will typically cost you more money. And especially for some of these brands, you got to go to Mobile or you got to go to Destin and that's extra time and extra gas and all that. No, take it to Bobby Lycus Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. They work on these vehicles all the time. Diesel engine, same thing. You might think that's a specialty item. You got to take it to the dealership. You don't. They work on those, Bobby Lycus, all the time. Domestics, gas engines, if it runs on wheels, okay, they work on it. Carclinicservice.com is the website, kind of like a healthcare clinic for your car. You know, take the body into the doctor every once in a while to make sure that everything's going okay. Take the car into Bobby Lycus every once in a while to make sure that everything is going okay. It's that simple. So if you need service of any kind, check them out online, make an appointment, or just stop in. Bobby Lycus Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish serves only the best Mississippi catfish, fresh Gulf seafood, and delicious homemade sides. Weekday specials include two times Tuesday, six free shrimp added to the six-piece dinner. Wednesdays offer lunch basket specials and everyone's favorite, Shrimp-tastic Thursday, five bucks off all-you-can-eat shrimp. Serving fresh seafood daily. Visit David's Catfish House on Dogwood Drive in Milton and New Warrington Road in Pensacola. See you at David's. Whether you want to start your education or advance your career, Pensacola State College is the place for you. Join the 96% of PSC students who graduate loan-free and select from over 100 programs ranging from career certificates to baccalaureate degrees. And in addition, Pensacola State has over 300 scholarships to choose from, including cybersecurity. Registration for the spring semester is still open. Session D classes begin on March 11th. You can head over to PensacolaState.edu for more. That's PensacolaState.edu. Pensacola State College. Go here. Get there. Hi, this is Earl Ron. New South Window knows southern weather is unpredictable, and our Energy Star windows and doors will keep the heat in and the cold outside where it belongs. We prioritize keeping your family and your home comfortable all year round. Energy efficient products made, installed, and guaranteed for life. Get New South Brown. When you buy more, you can save more. Visit NewSouthWindow.com. Why is Bray Jewelers the best place to buy an engagement ring? Come in and see our selection. I promise you, we have more diamond engagement rings than you'll see anywhere in the panhandle of Florida. But it's what you do for people that they don't expect 
that they remember the little things that we do. We want to deliver special experiences for you at Beret. We love doing what we do and we love making people happy. We want every person that walks into the store to feel like you're part of our family. I want everybody to have an amazing experience at Beret Jewelers. Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. The name is Bond, James Bond. Good morning, News Radio 923. It's 5:57. I'm Andrew K. Spence the Morning News. Good to have you with us. Uh, Steve Taylor is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. Steve. Well, good morning. After a standoff at a house fire in Pennsylvania, eight people are unaccounted for, and two police officers were shot there. It's believed the shooter is one of the people who are unaccounted for. The officers are both in stable condition. Police say they're going to begin to search for the bodies and the evidence this morning. Prince Williams thanking everyone for their kind messages since his dad, King Charles III, was diagnosed with cancer. He spoke to photographers yesterday at a gala fundraiser. He also thanked people for the support of his wife, Kate Middleton, who is recovering from, from abdominal surgery. Well, looks like a new flavor of Coca-Cola is hitting the stores soon. Coca-Cola Spiced is set to go on sale February the 19th, marking the beverage company's first new permanent flavor in three years. That new flavor is described as a burst of refreshing raspberry flavors and spiced notes. Well, hopefully it goes better than the rollout of new Coke back in the 1980s, if you remember that. I do. That was a disaster. I'm not sure I'm buying the whole spicy raspberry Coke concept, but I will say, you know, when you mess around with coke sometimes you get good things uh, i mean I'm, i like the lemon i like the vanilla but uh yeah there have been more misses than hits i would say i agree steve thanks for the update uh, 658 news radio 92.3 some interesting things on the board of county commissioners agenda meeting today in escambia county we'll talk about these with west moreno coming up next hour at 6 35 but uh, one of them is a proposal to fund the purchase of three guard towers for lifeguards out at perdido key beach and the interesting thing there is not the $244,000 for the three towers. That's sensible. That makes sense to me. The problem is where are you going to find the lifeguards? You know, we talk every week during the season with Dave Greenwood, and um, they're not exactly rolling in surplus lifeguards. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, if ECUA said, well, we're going to increase staffing for our garbage truck drivers. We're going to buy three new garbage trucks. Great. Who drives them? You know, right? If there's a shortage of labor... There's a shortage of labor, and there is a scarcity of lifeguards. So it's one thing to have the towers, but where are you going to get the people to man them? That's going to be the real question. Local talk in the morning, 5 to 9, with Andrew McKay is on News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola. 